you can open your Bibles to Ephesians, the first chapter, the letter of Paul to the church of Ephesus. We'll be in the first uh, chapter. We'll pause for a moment, a time of prayer. Father, we come right now. God, I pray, Lord, let it be all of you and none of me. Lord, truly, truly, I surrender, I decrease so that you can increase to use me as your vessel to preach your word to us, your people. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. If you can turn to the letter of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 17 to 19 of this first chapter. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say hold on. Well, let us begin. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And the Word of God says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in the accordance with the working of the strength of his might. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor saying, opening the eyes of my heart. If you can look to your neighbor that you did not speak to and wake them up if they fell asleep on you and tell them, opening the eyes of my heart. Amen, amen. I want to highlight, if you will, what requires the opening of the eyes of our hearts, what the result is, and then second, I want to close in the results that come from our God when we open the eyes of our hearts. I want to look into this process as we look into this, that many of us walk around leaning on what we can see. We are limited by our eyesight. And by that, those who have no eyesight see so much more than what we see. I'll say that again. Those who do not have eyesight see so much more than what we see. The, the reason why is that they use an inward eye to imagine what it looks like. But yet once we see something, we no longer look at it even more. That's why we have the terminology that you can't see the forest from the trees. Saying that you don't recognize what's in front of you. We have so much terminology dealing with that you cannot see or what you cannot understand. And so we have different things that like you can't see what I can see. You're blind. We have different things that goes on talking about dealing with your eyesight. But here in this text, it's talking about the eyes of your heart. 
Are we talking about your heart today? Now, in this time, in this context, the I meant something more than how we might use it today, but also has a similar meaning as we use it today. How the eye represents something of affection, as you are the apple of my eye. The eye represents something of knowledge or knowing or understanding, as in the all-seeing eye. You, you might be familiar with that movie, The Lord of the Rings. On top of the tower had an all-seeing eye that saw everything. And, and, and so we see those things, or sometimes people use that terminology with my third eye. That third eye gets into some pagan and some other things they're going to believe about having enlightenment, having something beyond what you know, but with my third eye, I sensed you or I see you. So we're dealing with how the eye represents enlightenment. The eye represents a focus or of understanding or of knowledge. But today I want to highlight that we need to have our eye of some understanding, some enlightenment, some knowledge of God. Can y'all help me preach this? And look what Paul is praying. Paul is praying that the eyes of their hearts might be open or enlightened. Can that be your prayer today? That God, I want my eyes of my heart enlightened or open. When, when something is open, look, it is revealed. If you read the text, does not, he does not say that he prays that you will have wisdom and revelation. He wants you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you have the spirit of wisdom, that means you have the power. Because someone say the power? The power of the Holy Ghost. And when you have the power of the Holy Ghost, you gain understanding, which is wisdom. Wisdom is not just having knowledge. Wisdom is understanding what you know. Because you know how people know some things, but they don't understand what they know. That's why we tell them you act like you don't got no sense. You should know better. Because if they knew better, they would do better. That means they understood the information that was given them. I'm so thankful that God knows that, I'm just going to talk about Sam for a moment, that Sam don't have no good sense. And since Sam has no good sense, he gave me the Holy Spirit to put some sense in me. Come on. Is that somebody else's testimony knowing that you didn't know any better, but God said, I'll send you a a friend, the paraclete, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Ghost, to let you know where you should go. Because the Holy Spirit teaches us. It instructs us. It keeps us. Uh, The Holy Spirit reminds us what is good and tells us what is wrong. The Holy Spirit reminds us that when it's getting too late on my watch, how I need to say goodbye to somebody. Hello, somebody. The Holy Spirit reminds me that when I go past the places I used to be, how I need to keep on walking. Hello, somebody. The Holy Spirit reminds me that when somebody comes up on my caller ID, the Holy Spirit reminds me you still don't want to answer that phone. Hello, somebody. The Holy Spirit reminds me when somebody calls me and starts talking about somebody. The Holy Spirit reminds me that we need to take the time out to pray. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and understanding of how we should live. And then once we understand our God, then he, we have the spirit of revelation. Revelation means that we understand what once was hidden. We understand what once was hidden. 
The best way I can describe this to you is that those who have gone to plays or gone to uh, concerts that many times they will have a curtain. And the show does not begin once they reveal what's behind the curtains. And sometimes you don't know who the special guest may be, so you wait with anticipation for them to reveal the curtains. Well, the same situation about the Holy Spirit, how it reveals things to us, that once we were in sin, come on somebody, in the darkness, hidden from the light, but now that we have been called out of, his, out of the darkness into his marvelous light, we have, our eyes have been opened up to, to and is now revealed to us the will of our God. And that's why he says that he wants us to have the knowledge of him. When you have the knowledge of him, it means that you have an intimate relationship with God. To know someone is to love someone. To love someone is to know someone. The word here to know here is not head knowledge. We get caught about knowing things because we think we're smart or we can memorize stuff and write things down. But how many, how many here memorize your driving test just to take the test? But if they asked you to take the test the next day, you wouldn't be able to pass it because you forgot everything. Mem- memorization is good for a little while. But when you know something, you could call them at midnight. Come on, somebody. See, see, I, 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 I'm known to be kind of a technical savvy guy, so people will call me late at night and ask me for some advice how to solve something. And I'm, I'm half asleep. But since I know the information, I'm able to talk it out. Because I know the information. Come on, somebody. You might be in a midnight hour in your life. You might be stressed out. You might be dealing with some situation. But since you know God, you're able to deal with that situation and walk it out. Tell your neighbor, just walk it out. Because when you know God, it's amazing how you can fall back on what you know and not lean on what you don't know. That's why you can say, in all my ways, I will acknowledge him. I won't lean to my own understanding, but in all my ways, I will acknowledge him and he will take care of the rest because he will direct my path. So when you know God, you know that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. When you know God, you realize no matter how worried I am, I can take them all to the Lord in prayer. When you know God, you know your children may be out of their minds, but you know that God is watching them. It's amazing when you have knowledge of God how you can have peace. And, and now on the other side, when God knows you, look what he knows about you. You don't know as much about God as God knows about you. And in spite of all that God knows about you, he still wants to be with you. And that's the hardest thing in our lives to accept, is that if someone knows all about our troubles, will they still be my friend? That's why it's so hard for us to go to somebody for forgiveness, because we don't want them to know what we have done. Because then it'll change how they'll treat us. But my Bible reminds me that God does not change. He is the same yesterday as he is today, and and hello, he will be tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. All I got to just simply say that God is. So no matter what day you say, that means he's still present. Y'all with me here? So if you say God is yesterday, yes, he was. You say today, yes, he is. And tomorrow, he still will be. Come on, somebody. 
But your friends might be fair weather. Stormier today, I can't be your friend. You cold as ice, can't be your friend. But then when I want something from you, I'll be your friend. But God says, even when you had nothing to give me, I've given you everything that I have. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. So knowing the Lord will enlighten us in his great calling on our lives and who we are in him. Do you see that? You see how Paul reached into this prayer now. He says that he wants us to know the hope of his calling. Tell your neighbor, his calling. So not your calling. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm going to spend some time right here real quick. Too many times in our lives, we tell God our plans. And we tell God about our plans, and then we go ahead with our plans. And then we get so full of our plans, we tell everybody else about our plans. And then when they don't agree with your plans, you're going to tell them, but God gave this to me. And you go on and you're going to tell them about them. If you was a good Christian, you would trust me and you would be with me because God gave this to me and this is this and this is that. And the whole problem of the whole equation is that you did not get the plan from God. But you just assumed because it was a good idea that it was from God. But let me go back that the hope is not for your calling, but the hope is for his calling. The hope of his calling of God for his saints is that, that he will suggest that reconciliation, restoration, and redemption. The hope of God's calling is that he wants to reconcile us, to cause us to coexist in harmony with him, to make us compatible with him. Because his hope is this, that he desires for him to be our God, for us to be his people. And so, therefore, he has to reconcile us. Why does he have to reconcile us? Because there's some sin still messing up our lives. Because so once he reconciles us, he's able to restore us. Restoring is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. We are still in the restoration process. I, I want you to grab here that when God made Adam and Eve, he made them in a garden. And he was with them. Has anybody here been to the Garden of Eden? Okay. Has anybody walked with God in the cool of the dark of the day? Okay. That's why we're waiting to be restored. Because in Revelation, the Bible reminds us that we have a new paradise. We have a new heaven and a new earth. But that's not the only thing new. We got a new body. And with that new body, we can go to that tree of life that was in the garden. Come on. And the Bible tells us he'll wipe the tears away from our eyes. There'll be no more pain and no more suffering. Hello. That means he has restored us back to where he originally had us. Do you know him? And when you know him, you know him through the reconciliation and restoration, all because of his redemption. His action of saving us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want to point out to us that when we know God, we know him in the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Can I drop this again? It says his inheritance. 
I want you to look at it again. There's a passive, passive, not misread. It does not say your inheritance in God. It says his inheritance in the saints. I'm, uh, what I want to point out, yeah, if you're going to miss everything else I'm talking about today, just please help me preach this to your neighbor. Tell them it's not about you, but it's about him. And you belong to him, whether you like it or not. So if you go home, you miss something else. All you got to remember is this, that you belong to him, whether you like it or not. And I'm going to throw this one in for free, because when you like something, you keep it where you don't. Back to our regular schedule program. So here we are. Since God calls us his people, and he does not just like us, but he likes us, likes us. That he calls us his inheritance. Uh, it says his uh, saints. Uh, all we got to do is go back to Genesis. What did he tell Abraham? I will make you a great nation. And you will be my people. And while us being God's people, we get to experience his splendor. God has entered a rich covenant with us, his people. And pointing out God selected us, we did not choose him. Because we don't have enough sense to make the right choice. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but even our companies know that. That's why they always give us commercials. Because if I did not commercialize, you would not know where to eat. You wouldn't know what hospital to go to. If I did not show you my commercials, you would not know where to get your brace fixed. Am I right about it? They, they think we don't know. So they say, here, let me tell you. But I'm so glad that our God does not have to compete with anything. Because he just simply says, I've always been here. God never has a grand opening because his opening is always grand. Aren't so glad? So when you know him. You know the covenant he has with you. He selected you for his glory. Being God's possession makes us to focus on what we makes us focus on who we are in him and how he is, how he is our Lord and we are the church. And point this out to you again, that he opens up the eyes of our hearts so that we clearly see him because he's always been looking at you. To, to, to the married couple, y'all might have heard that line. I, I saw you looking at me. You know, them pickup lines, you know, I saw you looking at me. I was looking at you too. But God is saying this to us. I've always been looking at you. Even when you weren't looking at me, you had my eye. You've been the focus of my concentration. Everything I've done was because of you, because you are the glory of my inheritance. This was mind-boggling to me to look at this, but God claims us his inheritance. Which means that he finds his joy in his people. Think about that for a moment, parents. Don't you find joy in your children? It's amazing that before your child's even born, how, how mothers and fathers just walk around with a smile on their faces, expecting the joy that's about to come. And can I throw this in for free? I know you got your plans for your child and how you want them to be this, be that, look like this, do this, do that. But here, I'm going to break it out to you again. God made them. And so if God made them, he didn't make a mistake. So you might try to conform them to one image, but God said, I made them in this image. 
it took me a long time to find out that, God, I wanted to be six foot five and, and a whole bunch of muscles on my body. But God said, no, Sam, I made you a skinny toothpick for a reason. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I'm glad that he made me. Am, am I right about it? Sometimes we might not figure out, but let's be glad that he made me. I'm so glad that he knows his hope for me. And slowly but surely, he'll reveal it to me. And so we see here that when we know him for the riches of his glory, then we know him how great his power is. We sing the song, how great is our God is. Look and say how great his power is. Know how great God's power is. Look in Psalms 91 to 5. It says, I'm sorry, Psalms verses 99, chapter 91 to verse 1. It says, the Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The earth shakes and people tremble because of his great power. This is according to his strength and his might. And I want you to grab this, grab this, grab this real quick now. When you know God, you have understanding of him, you have wisdom, you understand the revelation. He reveals to you his perfect will for you. You know the hope of his calling. You know that you are the inheritance of him in his saints in the church. And you know that he works this out through his might and through his power. Do you know that? Because if you know that, then the eyes of your eyes have been opened up because it opens you up to this. That, 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 that somebody tells you you can't do something. You can't do this. You can't do anything. Your daddy's been nothing. Your mama's nothing. You ain't going to be nothing. You hear that story before. They tell you how stupid, how dumb, how unattractive you are. Some, I'm, I'm not be speaking to somebody. Some of y'all been pretty all your life. But I, I, I was a pretty all my life. I heard them things. I heard people tell me how dumb I was, how ugly I am, how, how stupid I am, how slow I am. But every time I opened up my Bible, I kept on reading how beautiful you are. I made you in my image. You are my child. You are a co-heir. You have been redeemed. You have been washed by the blood. I made you a new creation. Build all things in order pass away because all things have become new so every time somebody try to throw a rock at me try to knock me down i started thinking about how good my god is and how if david can stand against goliath in the name of the lord i so know i so know can stand up to you come on you ain't no giant. You ain't bigger than me. You ain't stronger than me. You can't make me do anything i don't want to do but my god is able. So we see here the power of our God. It said according to his strength. And can I look at verse 19 and 23 real quick? Can y'all join me there? It simply reminds us that our God did a great work. Do you know about that great work? That great work is what is in the surpassing greatness of his power towards us. Who he towards us who believe and these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say that he's not just seated, but he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as a head over all things 
to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. What I'm going to point out, that when you have the knowledge of the Lord and you know him in wisdom and revelation, and you know him in the hope of his calling, and you know him as he is the inheritance of the saints, that you are his inheritance to God, then you also know his great power that he worked out through Christ Jesus. Let's look at this power. He goes on to say that this power is above because he's seated at the right hand. Y'all see that in the text, right? And that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Look what he's above. He's above every authority, power, and dominion, which is saying no matter what title you give yourself, he's above it. Let me help somebody else because somebody else just, just ignore that. No matter what title you give yourself, he's above it. No matter what power or authority you think they bad, He's above it. I love my president, but God's above him. I love my governors and my mayors, but God's above them. I love my mama and my daddy. So enough, you know, but God's above them. What is pointing out here that he reigns supreme. And since God reigns supreme, he has everything under his feet. Can I throw something in there for you, for you to realize that if everything's under his feet, it could be under yours too? Because Jesus says that you will be co-heirs with me. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, the devil should not be on your back. People walk around saying, the devil's on my back, he's riding me hard. The devil ain't got no right to ride, but to ride the bottom of your foot. He's under my feet. Because my Bible tells me my enemy becomes my footstools. Come on, somebody. So you don't got to get on my back, devil. You want to ride? Get under my feet. I walk all over you. The devil don't like me. I don't like him. The feeling is mutual. Let's get it on. And since my God is seated at the right hand of the Father and all the authority and powers on him, then it got even exciting there. It says that he has a name above every name. Names that are now and names that are to come. So you know how people got titles? How they might introduce somebody with all these titles? Here comes the doctor, bishop, overseer, most reverent, reverent of soul, graduate of with a PhD, a THD, DIV, MBD, all those things, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, all these titles. Just to show you how great they are. All I got to simply say, Lord. He's above all those names. Takes less time, but more power. So, so let's think about it for a moment. You might be in some need in the hospital, and you so enough want to call Pastor Samuel Thomas Durham, but yet you can still just say, Lord, oh, he can do it. You, you might want to call on your doctor and dial his number, but you can truly just say, Lord, he can do it. You might need some insurance, and you're about to call your insurance agent, but you can sure enough just say, Lord, he can do it. So you see how that name's above every name. And look at look 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 what else it says about he is the head of the church. He is the head 
of the church. He is the head of the church. Look here. We get it. Sometimes we say it all the time. First and foremost, I want to thank Jesus Christ, the head of my life. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, that should be go without saying. Come on, somebody. If he's the head of the church, then everybody should know. We know who's in charge. Come on, somebody. You don't go into your job and say, um, first, I want to recognize my boss. He already know he's the boss. Go do your job. Get up out of my office. Same thing. He's already seated. Just go ahead and do his will. And everybody will say, oh, I know who the head of your life is. Your head is Jesus. And we that are the church, we are his body. Look what it says. The body fulfills him. Y'all see that? Some of y'all look at me kind of puzzled. Look, it's right there. The body fulfills him. But what also showed me something is that, that do I make Jesus whole? No, I do not make him whole. It's he that fills everything. Woo! You see the afterwards it says, he fills everything. Which points out this. That when I think I'm doing just enough, I'm never doing enough. But God can get those gaps. He can get those gaps and fill it up. So that is just enough. Some of you, I, I, I just got back from traveling. Some of us know how we try to stuff stuff in our suitcases. And we look for some gaps. That's the sneaks a little, just, I can just get a little bit more in. Same thing with God. God sees that. I see you're, you're, you're empty here. You're lacking here. I can fill this up. Mm. Mm. You need more compassion. I got that for you. Mm. You need more mercy. I got that for you. <laughs> you need forgiveness. I have that for you. You need just a little bit more peace. I have that for you. Because I am the God of peace. I am the God of mercy. I am the God of love. I, I am love. So everything that you need, I have it. I just want you to open up your eyes so you can see me for who I am. Because when you know me for who I am, it does not matter what you're going through. You realize that with my God, tell your neighbor, I can make it. So you got to walk around blind. You might have got to walk around dark, but you can walk around enlightened with your eyes open and seeing things like you've never seen before. It's amazing when the Lord reveals these beautiful things to you that you start walking around with a different walk in your step. You start talking differently. People start giving you compliments that you know you don't deserve. You lost weight. That must be a new haircut. Come on, somebody. I got some witnesses here that when you're just feeling good and, and you know that God's alive and he's been blessing you, people just throwing compliments your way. And you're like, oh, shush. <laughs> I didn't know you noticed. And it's just God blessing you. And when God's blessing you, your body starts showing the blessings because you start walking different, talking different, because God's taking good care of you. Some of y'all look at me kind of funny. I'm just going to throw this one for free. Just go and read the Bible in Daniel. When they obey God, they say, y'all look healthy. Come on. Just go back for that. That's another sermon. But I want you to know that when you just obey God, it's amazing how you look healthy. I'm trying to leave that alone, but you just look healthy. You feel healthy. 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I can see you. Because when we see him, that means we know him. And when we know him, we understand him. And when we understand him, we know I can do great things. Great things. My challenge for you is to make that your prayer. Saying, Lord, open the eyes of my heart so that I see the hope of your calling. And to know that I am the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And that I know through your power, through your wisdom. You see what I'm doing? Just make that your prayer. Put those phrases in your prayer. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your power. I want to know your hope. I want to know your strength. And when you desire that, look what God will do for you. Look what God will do for you. But all I can say is just taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we thank you of the great work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, but defeated death and rose from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And Father, I pray right now for someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. And Lord, you will call them your own. They'll be your daughter. They'll be your son to be forever spending glory with you as you continue to work, with, work in them here on earth. Father, someone here, Lord, looking for a church home. God, we pray right now that if this is the place, that we will welcome them with open arms, God. But, Lord, if they're still searching, Lord, we pray that they wait on you to move them to where you want them to be. We give you the glory, God. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. All God should say amen. 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 May we stand as we extend a hand.